Welcome back to the Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of the Wise Man's Fear and then we talk about it. This is page 366. However, as these events have little to do with the heart of the story, I must pass them over in favor of more important things. Simply said, it took me 16 days to reach Severin, a bit longer than I had planned, but at no point during my journey was I ever bored. That's the page and the chapter. And you know this was a short page because Nick's reading it. Well, I guess that means that Jeremy's listening to it. So is Jordana. I think our current, well, Jordana, remind me, you're the note taker. What's our current uh, leader for shortest page? Three lines? Uh, wait for it, wait for it. I do have it here. Do we want to talk about the page and then if I find it? Sure. Let's talk about the page, this four-line page. Lots to dissect here. Well, he there is a reference made to earlier in the chapter. Oh yeah, the, the previous page you mean? Yes. <laughs> Maybe. Yes. Yes, the previous page where he talks about how he's not going to be bored. Well, go on. That that's pretty much it. He said he he, he said he wasn't going to be bored. And then or sorry, no, he was worried he was going to be bored. Oh, I see what you're saying. Before the Tilda Brand he was concerned that he'd become bored. And then he answers that after the total brand by saying that, no, he was never bored. Exactly. Insightful gotcha, commentary. Gotcha. Uh, yes. I am full of it. Yeah. We're, we're insightful as hell on this podcast. You are full of it, Jordana. Oh, I think it's worth thinking about the fact that it never takes anyone that long to get anywhere anymore. Like if you are traveling anywhere in the world, you can do it in like, a couple of days if you you know tops you know if you want to get from here to australia which is basically the other side of the planet you can do it in 24 hours if you really really want to well pending your resources right like obviously you have to be able to fly to afford to fly yeah but things like that i guess what i'm saying is like we live at like an order of magnitude different in terms of the rate at which things happen Right. And that's like a pretty recent development, like within living memory, recent development. For example, when my dad emigrated to Canada, he did so via ship and it took a couple of weeks to cross the Atlantic from Britain. I just think that that reflects like a totally different mode of of traveling and thinking about the world and like experiencing going from one place to another. Because now we sort of take for granted that I can get anywhere I want to go, you know, pretty quickly in a couple of days without really thinking about it. But even 70 years ago, that was not necessarily the case for most people. If you wanted to go somewhere, it was going to be like a journey. And the journey was literally at least as important as the destination because it was going to be a big part of your trip, just getting to where you were going to go. So I think that that is worth thinking about. And also Quoth's perspective on it is probably different because he grew up in a nomadic lifestyle where they were always moving from place to place. And in some sense, his time at the university and to a lesser extent in Tarbian, where he's been in like a fixed location is anomalous in his life. So this is almost like a return to what he, to the lifestyle that he knows this lifestyle of like travel. Can you still take a boat across the ocean? Like not, not a cruise, but like a, a commuter ship. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you can. 
In fact, Nick, our mutual friend Sean went with his partner. They did like a working holiday. They did it a couple of times to like once to Europe, once to Southeast Asia. And at least for, I know for sure for the one they took to Europe, they took, they booked passage on like a commercial freighter. And like, they just like had a berth on a big ship that was loaded with like, you know, those big shipping containers. And it took like a few weeks, but they it's way cheaper than flying. I've heard that when people uh, move from like Europe to Canada, a couple of people have told me that like the easiest way to get like a large amount of stuff, like if you have a household in Europe and you're moving to Canada, it's easier to do it by boat because I guess it's cheaper to like get like like a car and, and all your stuff like onto a boat. Why is that? I don't know. I just like at least three people I know who have moved to Canada from Europe have mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about it. Like, could you, could you reasonably like fly a car in a plane? Like they, they put a lot of work into engineering, like how much weight can a plane carry and still fly? Right. And I'm sure at a certain point, like it is just more cost effective and more like fuel efficient to, to do it by boat. Like certainly not on a commuter plane. You'd have to get a cargo plane somehow. That's rich person shit. That's like Jeff Bezos shit to be able to put a uh, a car on a plane. What sort of doesn't make sense to me though is like, but why wouldn't you just sell your car and then come over and then buy a new car? Maybe you like your car. Fair. And like, if you're going from Britain to North America, you can't do that because the cars are built differently because they're designed to drive on the opposite side of the road. No, you mean you can do that. You'd have to sell your car. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. This has easily been the worst episode of Page of the Wind ever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, we've definitely had worse episodes. This is the end of a chapter, barely the beginning of one. Uh, This chapter was called A Brief Journey, and boy, was it brief. I think that's why, you know, it's... (laughs) Also, also for um, shortest page, I didn't note the shortest page in the wise man's fear because we have different copies of it and we're sort of reading from those different copies but i did know the shortest page in the name of the wind so the page to beat as far as shortness goes would be 285 in the name of the wind and i do not currently have a copy yeah it's very short it's super duper short this this page is not a contender i want to get back to the chapter title just for a bit because when he says a brief journey, like getting back to the point I was making, a brief journey in this world is two weeks. It's longer than two weeks, 16 days. Well, he also got waylaid, right? It was supposed to take only, what, nine days, six days? So he's being wry, right? It's a brief journey in that it was supposed to be a brief journey that became longer. And it's also a brief journey in that it is sort of a short interlude for the reader between set pieces. Him getting waylaid only slows him down by two or three days because he says that depending on the weather, it would take him a dozen days to get to where he's going. Yeah, so really not a big deal. He just spends a couple days, you know, begging or whatever to get enough money to get passage, I suppose. We do have a letter. This is from Taylor, who writes on Constables and Demons, my favorite role-playing game. Hi, J and J, and I guess I'm chopped liver. I felt like some context could be added to the discussion from page 327. We have more in-world examples of how the law is executed. Our first example was when Ben was introduced. The mayor of some backwater place had just had dealings with Arladin and was trying unsuccessfully to shoo Ben away from the town. 
The mayor brought along a constable to intimidate them, where we were introduced to sympathy lamps and Ben even called the wind. We also see the constables in action in Tarbine against Quoth, but more is shown when Scarpy is arrested, though those were actually strongmen of the church rather than local constables. This shows us that depending on where you are, you'll have a different experience with the duopoly of church and state or law enforcement function. Could their hats be derbies? The round cap was what I'd imagine, rather than a beret. Until next time, sign Taylor. Well, derbies seem relatively contemporary compared to, I mean, like, it's probably like a knit cap, you know, like a fisherman's toque, but could be. Why not? I, I recall this conversation. And I believe I sent a photo that I wanted posted when we talked about the hat. It was included in the show notes faithfully. Jordana was imagining those like kind of like flat, wide Renaissance hats that fancy lads wear in paintings. As to the subject of the constables, to me, it seems like it's like not standardized because when the mayor gets the constable to roust them uh, when Quoth is a kid, that seems to me like this is just the local tough guy. You know how like in a in a Western you have like there's like just, just like one sheriff that the town has basically nominated. It, depending on what era you're talking about, he's not necessarily imbued with the force of law of the state, as it were. Um, he's just like the local guy that everyone trusts to keep law and order around here. So I don't know if if that actually represents like a formal institutional relationship. Because like even in modern times, you know, police forces are municipal and and then like it's a pretty recent idea to have like a state police force and then like a federal police force. It tends to be organized at the local level as need arises. Yeah, I think the closest thing we have to a codified police force is in Tarbine when they're really just thugs with uniforms. And most of the time, I think it's what Jeremy said, where it's just sort of like the local tough guys who have been wrestled up into a posse to get the ne'er-do-wells out of town that that seems like a good idea yes i suppose and like the church sort of having you know their own set of tough guys with cudgels also makes sense to me because like again think about things like i mean london had two police forces for a while there was like the the met and then there was like another different police force they might even oh, still I have two police that. forces. scotland yard yeah yeah maybe I'm pretty sure Scotland Yard was the first one, wasn't it? And wasn't it organized largely to, like, do something racist? Like, I think most most police forces originated as a way to, like, keep the, the you know, the undesirable races quiet. The point I was making is that they were in competition with each other. Like, they, they were not, they did not cooperate. They, they were, like, trying to one-up each other all the time. And, like, different parts of the city were policed by different forces, so you could escape, you know, if you were like had robbed someone's house, you could, you know, escape from one neighborhood into the next. And then the cops there wouldn't care because you hadn't committed a crime on their turf. I mean, I'm sure there was a, you know, a race component because, you know, come on, the British Empire. But as I understand it, it at least with the London police, it was it was as much about class as anything. Like the police force was basically built to you know, keep the nice neighborhoods nice and keep the poor neighborhoods, you know, contained. Which is why, for example, part of the reason that the Jack the Ripper murders went unremarked for a while or like they didn't do much about them is because nobody cared because it was all happening in a poor neighborhood. Okay, wait, I have a thought. So, all right, so there's there's the church police and there's the people who are rounded up by the town kind of police. So 
I feel like it sort of works like like federal versus um, like federal police or like provincial police versus like city police. Does that make sense? Like the church police, I feel like would be kind of everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm sure that like the 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 church has one. There's not like a church police force in every town that is different. There's like one church, you know, one armed arm of the church and they have offices everywhere. That makes sense to me. Yeah. So if you made, if you made the, the church police angry as well as the town police, you couldn't just escape to another town because the church police would still be after you. That's right. And famously the church police are who you call when there's a dead bishop on the landing. This is a yes. reference I do not get. Come on, Jeremy, you, you got to know this one. A dead bishop on the landing. It sounds like Monty Python, but if it is, it's not a sketch I'm familiar with. Oh, it's the dead bishop. Should we call... There's a dead bishop on the landing. What? Again? Should we call the church? No, call the police. I know, we'll call the church police. No, this is this is unfamiliar to me. Wow. Well, Jeremy, you really got to expand your culture. Yeah, yeah. My This is a real blind spot. Yeah, Jeremy yeah. famously knows nothing about Monty Python. Uh, and that's just one area in which I intend to do better in future. Are you doing a no growth? <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I'm, uh, I'm canceled for crimes against British culture. Uh, and you can listen to my tearful apology on tomorrow's page. Uh, I can't believe we almost got 20 minutes out of this. Ugh, this black hole of a page. The wind!